me, it's me, it's the R.O. Double B, mobbing once again with the one guy who hates everything that is dirt sheet, right here on Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope, that is right, I am the D.S.H. Lee Walker, and we have our host right above me, Rob. Rob, how you doing today? I am peachy, it is all out day, and I am ready to go. We're pre-gaming. I got the wings and the smoker, and I cannot wait. It's going to be an amazing night. As you know, fans, All Out is the return of CM Punk. But there is so much more to All Out than just CM Punk. Ladies and gentlemen, this card is what I would consider for AEW a stacked card. Hopefully we get some surprises in there. And just so you all know, at the end of this show... Even though we say spoiler free is the way to be, hang tight because after we are done, we are giving you the entire all out media pass with Tony Khan. Uh, we were invited to be part of it. It was really cool, great experience. And uh, yeah, you'll get to hear all the questions from all sorts of different people from all over the world that got to. Uh, Basically, it was just a giant media thing with, uh, you know, press to, to talk to Tony Khan about questions from everything from All Out to AEW. So make sure you stick around because after that, that will play. Uh, Rob, let's get right into the, the first match. We have the Women's Casino Battle Royale, which is taking place on the pre-show. And the winner I actually think it a- got bumped up. I think it got bumped up last I heard because of the oh, because Andrade of, thing. It yes. got bumped up. Yes, because of Andrade and Pac. So it's on the main card now. I'm assuming it's going to open the show. Um, as we found out, we have some women who are completely free agents. The 90 days is up. You know, a couple of them include uh, formerly known as Ruby Riot who's now Ruby uh, Shoho. We also have uh, Lana. Lana. And we also have uh, the Inspiration, who we have uh, right behind Rob, Cassie Lee, and Jessica McKay, formerly known as the Iconics in WWE, which uh, you can check them out November 13th at the big event. You can also check them out at Showcase of Legends 6 in Albany, New York, November 14th, courtesy of Perched on the Top Rope. Uh, We will provide uh, both links to both shows, and we will provide a mail-in link for all of you fans who want to mail items in to get signed. Rob, what are the chances of one of those three, well, four, realistically, if you count them as a tag team, could show up tonight. I think if Tony wants to to uh, start the show off with a bang, uh, I definitely have one, if not two of them there. Um, at least we've been seeing Ruby do her, her vignettes over and over, uh, which have been very well produced. Uh, hats off to whoever she's been working with to get those produced. They, they look phenomenal. Um, I definitely think Lana's on her way there. Obviously, if you've watched AEW, Rusev has made reference to her several times. 
uh, and different promos and things of that nature. I don't know that we would necessarily see Lana in the Battle Royal uh, per se. However, tonight, uh, maybe getting involved in helping Rusev in his match or, or Miro, as we call him, um, in his match uh, tonight on AEW, I think that would be a great surprise. AEW is just set up for a lot of uh, amazing surprises tonight, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But I do think if you were going to see a, a wrestler appear in the Women's Battle Royal, it would be Ruby uh, Soho. Okay. Um, now, Rob, as a former WWE writer, before we break down more of these matches, do you feel that AEW has done enough for the entire card for fans to be interested in all of it? Because a lot of the talk has been CM Punk Darby Allen. Well, sure. Uh, CM Punk is obviously going to dominate the, 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 the entire card. It's like going to a Mike Tyson fight and saying you're there for, for something other than to see Mike Tyson box. Um, You know, obviously that's that's what's going to bring you in um but i think the 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 different surprises that they they can offer tonight uh will definitely get the viewers attention it's definitely got my attention i i'm i'm extremely excited to see cm punk return don't get me wrong but i'm i'm definitely excited for the the entire card top to bottom oh 100 percent uh and especially this next match uh john moxley versus Soto Isho Kojima. How I love when AEW has like these, these these specialty like New Japan matches come in, you know, because they have a few guys there, you know, John Moxley, uh, Lance Archer. They, you know, they go to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and, and before we break this match down, John Moxley is your new GCW Heavyweight Champion. So he's got the spinner belt. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, For those of, you know, fans who don't know last night, uh, GCW held a, uh, an event, Matt Cardona issued an open challenge for the, the GCW heavyweight championship. Uh, Obviously they also, they had war games. Cardona was on one of the top ropes, you know, sitting there inside the, you know, the two rings with the steel cage all around it. Frank, the clown, Noel Foley's boyfriend is the one who answered the challenge, but Matt Cardona got a surprise when a man in black attacked him from behind and hit a double arm DDT and pinned him one, two, three, the mask came off and it was John Moxley. So John Moxley defeated Matt Cardona in a nice little surprise. If there's if there's one person who can handle the GCW crowd and that GCW wrestling, it's definitely John Moxley. So good yeah. for him. Um, as far as far as the match, though, I talked with Sonny Ono about this just the other day, and I I don't understand. This is the one match that's got me scratching my head. I don't understand the premise behind it. Um, you know, I, there's the, the, I just don't understand the whole concept of bringing these guys in um, as talented as they are. There's no build up to it. 
we rely on Moxley basically telling you how, how much of a badass the guy is, but how much of a badass really is the guy if then Moxley goes out and just pummels the crap out of him and winds up beating him, and then they do their traditional bow in the ring like he did with Yuji Nagata. Um, for fans that didn't know who Yuji Nagata was, they relied on John Moxley basically telling you he was a badass for over 20 years and, and he was returning home to TNT where he was on with WCW, but you didn't have any build up to it. The same thing with the, with this match. They're just plucking guys from New Japan, bringing them over for a payday and Moxley is, is beating them. Um, it really kind of, in my opinion, takes away from the relationship but you know we've always discussed that 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 these kind of things um really just doesn't do the the outside company a service yeah um and that's why i asked if you if you felt as a former wwe writer uh did you know do these matches have enough build-up now this is what this is one of the ones that it it does not and, and you broke it down even to you know other past matches like this uh, where you rely on one promo from John Moxley talking about uh, the superstar coming over from new Japan. And uh, you're right. It, it's not enough. Um, it, it, it's not. And you don't have that, that, that uh, understanding of who the, who the talent actually is. You're, you're solely relying on John Moxley telling you what a badass the guy is, but it, it, the way it comes across to, to a lot of people, uh, like myself who are watching it is uh, you know if I tell you how bad you are and you and I are going to get into this match um, and then then I beat you up and I pin you and then I tell the world how bad Alex Todd is and 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 you know in one promo and then beat him after a while nobody's going to give a crap about the Japanese talent that's coming over because they're just being fed to John Moxley. They're just being fed to John Moxley. We're not even seeing these guys fight anybody else. It's basically come in, fight Moxley, get beat, go home, and stay in quarantine for 14 days in Japan. There's no rhyme or reason to these matches, which is the thing that bothers me. There's, like you said, there's absolutely no build up to it. There's absolutely no, uh, there's no juice to it. Um, it, it you know, in my opinion, it is it is a match to get the crowd to sing Wild Thing because Tony has invested all this money into into that song and they really don't have anything for John Moxley right now. He's basically just the, you know, and, and sadly, believe it or not, I feel this is what's going to happen to a lot of these WWE talents that keep coming over. Eventually, you're going to be John Moxley where you're basically relegated to this kind of a match. Um because it doesn't appear like they've got anything for him and or have they done anything to build up for him and to him um, other than feed him these these Japanese talents that come over. It, it just doesn't make any sense. This is the one match that is the head scratcher that makes no sense. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. And uh, so fans know we didn't pick a winner for the, the Battle Royal. Um, I personally don't know who's going to win it and especially when there's going to be surprise entries uh it's a very hard thing to pick a, on a battle royal like that but uh for this match i'm picking moxley to win because well 100 just like any other match he's done with new japan coming to aew you get one promo from john moxley telling you how good the guy is how hard he's going to be to beat 
but Moxley beats him. So, yeah, there yeah, we go. It, it, and it would make no sense. It would make no sense for AEW to have this Japanese talent beat John Moxley on on the pay per view. It, it would yeah. make no sense. You would kill the juice of the fans chanting "wild thing." Yeah. So, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the next match. We have another debut to AEW uh, for in-ring competition. Paul White versus QT Marshall. Um, there's been some buildup to this. I think it was, I liked how it was done with using Tony Schiavone and everything. Uh, I expect this to be a classic good guy versus bad guy. You know, QT Marshall is the one who has the stable. I'm expecting some sort of interference, uh, whether or not that plays a factor on if he wins or loses. Uh, it's just kind of what, how I see this match is going to go. Uh, it's going to be that, that classic match where it's going to kind of maybe slow the card down a little bit for an anticipation for a next bigger match type deal. Uh, it's it, it just, that's the way I see it. QT Marshall is playing a classic heel here, uh, you know, attacking the announcer and, you know, and then, you know, Paul White tries to step in and everything. And um, what are your thoughts on the match, Rob? Uh, uh, this is another one of those ones where I, I find it hard to believe that you're going to bring Big Show back or Paul White uh, back uh, only to have him lose. Um Although, if you want to get some juice on QT Marshall, um, beating Paul White would certainly be a way of doing it. Um, one thing that I'm noticing, and, and we're, we're two matches, three matches in, if you want to count the Women's Royal Rumble, um, we have a very strong WWE focus on, on everything that we're discussing, um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's very uh, odd, uh, you know, we would, we didn't make any predictions on the women's Royal rumble, but we did mention Ruby Soho slash Ruby riot, potentially being the, the surprise entrant in, in the women's battle Royal. So there's one, then you got John Moxley beating up uh, the Japanese talent. There's two. And now you got Paul white, uh, AKA big show beating up QT Marshall. We're, 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 we're going down a WWE road here that, that everyone says AEW is not, but it certainly is appearing that way and and if you're listening to this show for the first time shame on you but also if you're watching aew for one of the first times because of the pay-per-view um you're certainly seeing a lot of familiar faces from wwe and it's definitely a head scratcher um in my book but um i definitely would see uh, if you want to put qt over to, to to get him give him some juice obviously that's the way you want to beat big show uh but i think this is big show tony Schiavone all the way yeah i agree with you i i you don't have someone of that stature come in to make his debut match and have him lose kind of referencing a match later on it sounds like but uh we'll get to that in a little bit but speaking of the wwe theme it continues <laughs> chris jericho mjf if jericho loses he will retire now the interesting thing here is jericho did do an interview where he said when it comes time to retire that he would walk away basically without announcing it 
And now you have a match where it's announced. So is he playing the media? Or will we see the surprise where he pulls it out and he doesn't retire? From a selfish standpoint, I hope he doesn't retire. I love Chris. I love his work. I love everything he brings to the table. From a practical standpoint, Fozzie's going on a three-month tour. Um, so I think that plays a factor in everything. Uh, you know, we, we can't do this forever. Um, so I, I, this one's up in the air. Uh, from a selfish standpoint, though, I, I'm going to say I hope Chris Jericho wins. I can't see him losing four matches to uh, MJF. I think this has to be his, maybe he, maybe, uh, you know, he wins the match, but gets injured. So that's his go away for, for the Fozzie tour. Um, but you know, again, that, that, that's what makes this pay-per-view that, you know, and that's one of the things that makes this pay-per-view so exciting and intriguing is you really just don't know. Whereas if we're watching a WWE pay-per-view, Lots of times we can lean very heavy on what, what has to happen or what's going to happen. You know, this is another one of those ones. It can go either way. I, I just don't see him losing four matches to MJF. I got to agree with you. Uh, you know, four matches and, and, and everything. And, you know, usually we see the heel lose a lot of the matches. But, you know, this is something different here where we're seeing the face lose basically all the matches i can't see him losing but i can see him losing if they wanted to really put mjf over make him that monstrous heel that that you know even wwe right now is looking for because no one has a monster heel but also no one has a real big top face um you know both companies again like i said another wwe feel here because it's chris jericho the man's been everywhere um, he's been able to reinvent himself and stay relevant as a professional wrestler, which has been really interesting. But the only way I could see, you know, especially knowing that he's going on tour, the only thing that I can see is he wins the match, but MJF attacks him after and they do the injury angle, mm -hmm. you know, and then he comes back after the tour type deal. You know, and, and even if it was a losing thing and he retired and he was going on tour, well, you wouldn't see him, you know, doing commentary, like what people believe that he would do if, if he lost. You would lose him for the commentary aspect of Rampage and everything, too. So well, here's, here's the other thing to consider, too. Um, if Chris were to lose, you would solidify MJF as, as, as a mega heel like you were just talking about. Um, he'd be uber over and with the, and with the talent that not only AEW has already brought in, but they are going to be bringing in, um, it gives you now, uh, a viable heel to go against the CM Punks and the Daniel Bryans of the world. Um, and, and, and it gives MJF that credibility to be going against the Daniel Bryans and the CM Punks of the world. At the end of the day, I've said it once, I'll say it again. There's only so much TV time to go around TV time. When you only have a two hour show and then a one hour show is, is like gold 
it's better than gold it's platinum um and and you've only got so many guys you can you can put on that tv show so therefore if chris has to go away maybe chris realizes right now hey we've got the 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 train is is chugging full steam ahead and you know him being there is not necessarily a, a, a you know uh, a, a necessity if you will now that we've got cm punk daniel bryan and these types of wrestlers yeah yeah um, i mean uh, i'm gonna say jericho wins just because i'd rather see him win to be honest um, oh me too i've interviewed mjf before and he's called me a fat bastard so <laughs> it's personal <laughs> and i'm not fat so it's personal at this point on a side note, on a side note, have you seen his Twitter account? Apparently, a little girl went to the fan fest that AEW was doing this weekend. Yeah. And she dressed up just like MJF. And the father thought it was the cutest thing in the world and said, you know, look, MJF, your biggest fan. And his reply was, is it too late to abort? <laughs> so uh, you know getting called a fat ass is is it pales in comparison to telling this poor father that he should have uh aborted his beautiful little daughter who was probably 10 at that point 10 or 12 she looked i mean she was uh, clearly a, a a big kid um so yeah mgf a little too late on that <laughs> <laughs> he is uh you know he he does stay basically that mjf character at all times to the point that he's actually doing a signing in november i believe at heroes hideout in albany new york and they actually put a parental advisory on it letting fans know even if you have kids and you bring them he might say something derogatory so just be aware (laughs) yeah i've never seen that on a, a meet and greet before well my my, one of the one of my favorite things i ever went to uh he he was doing a signing and a kid in a wheelchair pulled up to get an autograph and the kid obviously was confined to the wheelchair so this wasn't just you know this was a, a you know he was he was crippled and he actually stood up from the table and said see this i can do this can you and i was Outside of, and this happened one other time when I was working with WWE, we were in Connecticut and a kid wheeled up in his wheelchair to JBL. And this was when JBL was, was the heel and the kid wheeled up to him. He was so excited. His favorite wrestler, his favorite wrestler and JBL took the wheelchair and wheeled him continually down the hallway in, in the, uh, 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 Mohegan sun. Yeah. And the kid went right on by me and I, I never felt that way you didn't know whether you wanted to laugh, cry, be appalled, what the heck. Um, but yeah, and then JBL looked at me and said, come on, let's get in the bar. Um, yeah, and then when I saw MGF do that, and he stood up next to the kid and said, see this, I can do this and you can't. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he is, he takes being a heel to a whole new level. Yeah. Um, you know, the fans love it. The fans eat it up, but uh, some parents might not if you're child is is on the receiving end of that i you know i don't know but yeah yeah i i did see that mohegan sun and 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 jbl thought it was the greatest thing in the world to do and and hence they put a parental advisory on it so 
parents were aware of what could happen and what will probably happen. I know when I go meet them again, if I, if I hear fat bastard, I'm, I'm going to be like, yeah, you said that in 2018 when I interviewed you too, or it was like 2019. I don't know. It was like right when he had signed his contract with AEW, I, I had like one of the first interviews with him. It was kind of cool, but it was 18. I want to go, I want to go in a wheelchair and just put like a blanket over my legs and have him do that same kind of thing to me and then stand up and go, now what are you going to do? And just totally shut him down because I think the, 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 the crowd would then pop, you know, and, and he would be put right back in his place. Um, I know my wife would totally be against it because I try and do it all the time at Disney to get get on the, uh, you know, so you don't have to wait in the lines. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't like when I do it there. She probably won't like it if I do it in an autograph signing. Right. But... <laughs> well. Speaking of a WWE theme continuing on a AEW pay-per-view, our next Five match. Matches in. Five matches. Yeah. Our next match, the AEW TNT Championship. The champion Miro, formerly known as Rusev in WWE, takes on Eddie Kingston. I thought the buildup has been pretty good for this. Uh, Eddie has made it like really known. Hey, this is what I'm going to do to you because you got a weak neck. And he keeps playing that card up, that card up. And, you know, they went at each other this week on TV, uh, you know, with promos. Uh, Again, here we could see a surprise. Lana's now free. She could show up with Miro. And I think that's this is where she shows up is maybe uh, Kingston goes for that neck. She comes running down to try and save him. Please don't hurt my husband. Please, please, please. He gets distracted. And Miro comes in with the with the the backhanded finish and and kind of cheats to win, if you will, um, you know, because this is this is Kingston has this lined up for a street fight. Um, yeah. You know, every interview he's done, he just simply says, "I'm going to kick your ass," yeah. and you know, he doesn't have any rhyme or reason to it. He's just going to kick his ass. And Miro uh, is painting himself as as the second coming of God. Um, so. You know, this this will be fun. I think this is where Lana shows up. Um, and and I'm excited. I always liked Lana more as a manager than I did as a wrestler. I thought she brought far more to the table as a manager than a wrestler. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm most looking forward to this, because she was always when she was that uh, that 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 sexy Russian um, and basically was was Miro's mouthpiece or Rusev's mouthpiece in WWE. Uh, I thought she brought so much to the table and, and I hope that is the case uh, tonight and moving forward. Well, yeah, look at when, you know, she was in like the, the blue in the red business suits fans were eating that up. Mm-hmm. And then like when they were having the, the, the deal between Rusev and Lana, where he would make her go to the back because at one point fans were chanting for her, way more than they even gave a rat's ass about him because he was playing a heel, but she was getting over solely because of her looks. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the fans would be chanting, we want Lana, we want Lana. And I'd be right there with them. You know, who wouldn't want a beautiful blonde on their television screen while watching pro wrestling, as opposed to looking at two big sweaty men in the ring. Well, it also goes back to it also goes back to like when Macho Man would would be out in, you know, when Macho Man was wrestling in the 80s, 
people loved when they heard the beginning of his music they loved not only did they love macho man but you knew the beautiful miss elizabeth was going to be joining them so uh you know that it's the same it's the same concept and you know i again there's nothing wrong with having valets and managers and things like that these days in wrestling um you know and 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 the ones that AEW has uh the bunny uh you know uh, Lana, if she comes back, there's a lot of them that are out there. Rebel, uh, even though she's with Dr. Britt Baker, and there's nothing wrong with Dr. Britt Baker. Um, you know, they they bring a lot more to the table um, than than just uh, uh, you know they 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 enhance the talent that they are working with by a long shot. <laughs> so did Scarlet, but we won't go there. <laughs> I'm sorry, just the way you were wording that, I'm just, it's just perfect. There's nothing <laughs> else to add to it. That's, that's, that's what I do. That's oh, how I WWE yeah. it. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, there's a big difference between trying to pick the winners of these AEW matches as opposed to WWE, because WWE is pretty predictable and while we've agreed on a lot of the same people that we want, I really feel like every match so far, besides from like Moxley could go either way so far. Yeah. And this is another one of those matches. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because I feel like Mira would be the more favorited to win, especially if like Lana comes into play, but with Kingston, one thing that we do know, and it's not even about Kingston, so far everyone who has held the AEW TNT championship, and no disrespect to Brody Lee because he passed away, everyone who has won it, the their time with the belt has not been long at all. It's been very short. Yeah. You know, um, so because of that, I could see them putting it on Kingston because every reign has been short. But I don't want to spoil the AEW media call uh, for later on, but fans, you will want to tune in and listen to that after the show because a fan did ask a question about the AEW TNT championship being a mid-card belt. And Tony Khan's response is, well, let's just say he didn't like it being worded like that. So make sure you tune in and listen to that because he talks about the championship belt uh, specifically when it comes to everything we just talked about. Well, there you go. So there's nothing, it, there's nothing more you can say after that. Exactly. And I'm we still moved- going with, I'm still going with Miro and I'm still saying Lana shows up and I'm still saying that they have to keep the belt on Miro, especially if Lana shows up, this brings just that, that extra added credibility. Yeah. And I would also say with that, that that might not be the last match between Miro and Eddie if that happens definitely not uh, especially if she gets involved yeah now we move on to our next match match number six the aew world tag team championship it is also the first match not involving a former wwe talent Woo! we got one it took six matches but we got there i got no disrespect to aew we we love what you guys do but uh just a little trend we caught on to. 
We have the Young Bucks, who are the current AEW Tag Team Champions, taking on the Lucha Brothers in a steel cage match. Uh, I love tag team wrestling, Rob. I don't know about you. I do. You know, it, it, it's... I don't know if it, it's a combination of, you know, there, there's more at play than just a one-on-one match. Uh, I love seeing double team moves, uh, especially with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Man, those guys can really do some really cool moves with each other. But, I mean, we also know how, how decorated the Young Bucks are when it comes to championships and, and matches and, and double team moves. Again, this one is another match. It could go either way. I'm personally going to pick the Lucha Bros on this one just because. I mm-hmm. know, oh, wait. Yeah, I thought they were facing. Well, hold on. I fucked up. It's the Lucha Bros against. Uh... Yeah, I'm sitting here saying Jungle Boy and fucking. You are. That's who should have been in the main event. Yeah. That's who should have been in this match. And and the only reason I'm going to go with uh, the Young Bucks on this is because it wasn't Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I thought when when these two were going at it, when it was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus uh, 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 the other two guys, Phoenix Pentagon, and Penta. Yeah. Um, I thought this is where you have to put Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus over. And then this is where they will beat uh the young bucks by not having them in this there's so many problems with this um (laughs) number one you want that you want that that elation and that crowd pop if jungle boy and luchasaurus win the tag team titles when they put that song on the whole place would go nuts with them winning the tag team title yeah the whole place would go nuts with them coming out for that that match and just the mere winning of it, you would have the whole crowd doing the hands back and forth and everything like that. Uh, this was very poorly uh, thought of um, by everyone and the powers that be behind it. Uh, I, I, And that's clearly why I know you were thinking Luchasaurus at Jungle Boy, because that's who should have been in this match. Yeah, the um, Jurassic Express. I like. I, I'm sitting here. And while I, while, you know, while I'm seeing it as, as Lucha brothers and knowing that it's Penta and, and, and Ray Phoenix there subconsciously in my head, I keep saying jungle boy and Luchasaurus because in my head, that's who the, the match should have been with. The crowd is yeah. hot with them right now. They are hot. Yeah. They're the hottest tag team that AEW has right now. They should be the ones in the match. And Jungle Boy is also the hottest, uh, one of the hottest, up until CM Punk returned, one of the hottest uh, talents yeah. on his own. Yeah. Um, you know, the the theme music is everything in, in pro wrestling. It really is. And when you, when you take a look at people like John Moxley, Jungle Boy, CM Punk, and Chris Jericho, when the fans sing along and really dive into just your entrance, that makes it that much easier to put that talent over and and the the jungle boy music and the music that they've taken the time and spent the money on 
use that wisely and put them over. They, they, they are over to the moon right now. There is no reason why they shouldn't have been in this match. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they're doing anything in this in, in, in on, on the, on the pay-per-view. So maybe they help Christian later. Um, but that, that whole entrance is just, yeah, very poorly done. Yeah, well, if it was Jurassic Express and Lucha Brothers shoes, I would say Jurassic Express. Yeah, one million percent. But it's the Lucha Brothers, so I'm saying the Young Bucks retain. Yep. I don't see it changing. Um, No. Again, if it was Jurassic Express, like I was going off about, totally different story. Um, It is what it is. But that brings us to our next match. The AEW Women's World Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, taking on our favorite alien, Chris Statlander. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, DMD for the WIN. Hands down, case closed. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and if we don't get a surprise, even if we do in the, the women's championship and a certain somebody, former WWE talent wins, I would expect them to come out here after this match and confront the winner. True. That would be one way of doing it. I, and because of that, I don't see Statlander winning if everything pans out that way. I, I'm going to say that Dr. Britt Baker wins. She's she's too over right now as a heel, but fans love her. She's like yeah. that stone cold type. She's the good guy, but she's the bad guy also type deal. Uh, Statlander, phenomenal talent. But when she came in on dynamite for the save and then, you know, held the championship, was it like last week over her shoulder and Burt Baker slid out of the ring and everything. I paid attention to the crowd on that and the, the cheering and everything wasn't what I thought she would have gotten if she was over enough. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I paid attention to that and that kind of told me, well, Britt Baker can be good and bad at the same time. Fans love her. I just, I don't see someone who is that over losing to someone that's not as over, even if they try and make that person get over. The best I see if Statlander wins, she's a a placeholder for the next person coming in. Yeah. And I, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, why why use her as a placeholder? Why not just have the build of Britt Baker versus whoever you're going to put up against her? Um, give it that big match feel and give it that, uh, you know, everything the fans want. Um, Britt Baker is in a position right now where you either love her or you hate her, but either way you have a reaction towards her and therefore that that makes her uber over and, and that's all the more reason why you got to stick with her right now. Um, it, it, it would make zero sense to go against that. She's got T-shirts. You know, as much as you don't want to uh, believe in the Vince McMahon uh, money moniker, 
it, it really does play a factor in everything. This girl's got action figures, T-shirts, all sorts of things going for her right now. You want that marketability. You don't put her over right now. That marketability goes right in the toilet, and that's money wasted. So you're definitely going to stick with the DMD and Britt Baker on this one. Yep, I agree. And like I said, if, if everything pans out, I would expect that the winner of the Casino Battle Royale to come out and... Uh, make her presence known after the match. Well, we are moving on. I guess you could consider it the co-main event if they're going to consider it. We have the AEW Championship. Kenny Omega versus Kristen Cage. I think the buildup has been great to this match, especially having Christian defeat Kenny Omega and by the way, be the first person to pin him in how long? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, what What was it, over a year? He hasn't been yeah. pinned? Yeah, over a year. No, no one's pinned him clean. And Christian Cage comes in and does it and wins the Impact Championship. This match, though, I see going a little differently. Um, Kenny still has other championships you know, in other companies that we know of with, you know, AAA. And, you know, he still has that, that, you know, he's still the AEW championship, you know, the champion. I do see him winning this match. I don't see AEW wanting to take the belt off him. I think Christian is a good opponent for Kenny Omega, but I also felt like they would have gone title for title for this where Kenny wins and gets his impact championship back and then starts going around to collecting belts again, type deal. But I, that even that storyline might be over of, of the belt collecting. I, I, there hasn't been much mention of it at all lately. And I, I know Kenny said that, you know, impact wanted, if he was to lose the impact championship, it would be to one of their roster members. And while Christian's a former impact member and a former impact champion, he's not on their roster. He's signed to AEW. Um, I just see this as a, another notch in the belt for Kenny, which isn't a bad thing. I think having Kenny as the champion right now is a good thing. Uh, Alex is not on with us today, and he wanted to have his input in on this match. Alex thinks that with the likes of Gallows and Anderson and, and Kenny's little crew there, that they are going to take Christian out early and leave Kenny Omega with an open spot for an opponent. This is where he feels another surprise is going to come in. And he feels that this is where Daniel Bryan is going to take that spot. Uh, where if the Andrade match was going to continue, because he actually posted, I'll still be there and a mystery opponent, blah, blah, blah. If that was to, was going to happen, I would have said that's where Daniel Bryan comes in. But this angle, I kind of liked that Alex brought up, you know, having, you know, playing the injury angle with Christian where someone has to come in and you have it be Daniel Bryan. 
And what better way than before the main event of CM Punk versus Darby Allen, especially after CM Punk um, on his Instagram story did an extreme like zoom in of a handshake with him and somebody else. And someone actually, you know, was able to open the photo out to see what it was. It was actually CM Punk shaking Daniel Bryan's hand. We also know CM Punk has teased Daniel Bryan's return on AEW. Uh, we've also seen from the dirt sheets, it's all but done. The contract is signed and everything. He's, he's, he's golden. It's just, when does he debut? That, that is Alex's opinion. I thought it was a really good one. I liked it. Uh, and he even said that if that is the case, he still sees Kenny Omega winning because he just... It, it's it's supposed to feel like a one-off, I guess, is how Alex thinks, but it won't be a one-off, especially with we know that there was stipulations that Daniel Bryan wanted in his contract, like being able to go work Japan, uh, working about the same amount of dates that he did in WWE. So like knowing all of that, I, I just being a last minute fill in yes the crowd would go nuts but he thinks kenny would win the match still well i think kenny definitely uh wins the match i don't know that we take the match of kenny versus christian away but one thing that i will agree with is the cm punk match doesn't need any juice it doesn't need any uh surprises it doesn't need anything at the end of it it just needs to be cm punk um this is where you need that that juice because this match for a world title match kind of falls flat. Therefore, I would say that that it, you can either go Alex's route where um, you know they they're they're they, they beat him up and he can't wrestle, or you go the whole route and let's see him uh, let uh, Kenny win the match and then Daniel Bryan comes down to challenge for the for the championship which would pop the crowd. Um, either way, I think this is where you would need the juice in, in, in the surprise, not the CM Punk match as much as, you know, but, and, and here's the other reason for that. CM Punk is, is not coming across as a heel. Neither is Daniel Bryan. So therefore, why would Daniel Bryan want to take the shine away from CM Punk's big, big night? You want to take it away from the heel. Yeah, I, I got to agree with that. I just, <sighs> I don't think we want to here. And here's the other reason why I don't think they want to do the whole beat up uh, Christian thing and, and substitute with Daniel Bryan. You saw the flack that that got with WWE doing it with Becky, uh, with Becky Lynch when she returned. Um so therefore, I think we want to go more of let's surprise them with Daniel Bryan and let's lead into a three-month build for the next pay-per-view, um, you know, versus doing the whole too similar to Becky Lynch thing. It, it would come off too much like, okay, they watched SummerSlam and now they're going to copy what we did. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I just... It's one of those matches where Christian's a good pick. 
I just I don't see him being the one to take the championship off. Definitely not. You know, the other thing is Adam Page hasn't been around, and we haven't seen him. This could well, be his he's, night. He's on maternity leave, so you know. So um, I'm expecting that, like when he comes back, if Kenny's still champion, I I feel like he would be the one to take it off of Kenny. It's just maybe he he's just the one I see doing it. Um, but for now, I'm I'm going with Kenny Omega on this match. Oh yeah, to win Kenny Omega. Yeah. And now, <laughs> is there is there even a question on this final match? <laughs> Realistically, there shouldn't be, but I'm going to have to ask it anyway. The main event, the match that everybody's been anticipating, CM Punk versus Darby Allen. You don't bring in Punk to have him lose. As much as it would make Darby Allen a bigger name than what he is now, he it would bring him to a whole new level in his career. I just don't see you spending so much money on CM Punk. Time. The time, the money in advertising, the money in his contract. And and he's talked about the contract a little bit. Now, the only thing, the only thing that is going in Darby Allen's favor is the last time CM Punk fought in Chicago, he got his head handed to him in about three minutes. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's that going for Darby Allen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, it's CM Punk. It's his return match. There's no way there, there he loses. I think a lot of fans are going to be a little upset. Yeah. Yeah. I don't oh. see that happening. I, I see them going off the air with, uh, you know, him, him, climbing the ropes and thanking the crowd and and yeah that's that's the that's the outside of doing the hulk hogan pose that's the way they end the show is cm punk with the music playing and him yeah. with the big win there's no way yeah. he loses no there there's absolutely no way uh and even the unless you, the- unless you were going to turn daniel bryan heel and he comes out and clubs him from behind or sting or sting, sting. Yeah. Even though even though Sting said I'm not going to interfere, I'm not getting involved. That could still happen no matter, you know, he swerves us and Darby and Sting become monster heels or something, but who knows? I just I I see Darby Allen getting hit with a go to sleep, 1 2 3. Match is over. And Darby will definitely get him the height that uh, the, the, the other guys last week did not when CM Punk tried to do to go to sleep. He had to get that leg up real high because whoever he lifted up, I forget who it was, they didn't, they didn't pop for him as, as well as they should have. It was one of the guys from uh, 2.0, former okay. Ever Rise of WWE. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't give him the 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 bounce. His his leg had to go in places that I don't think he's he was ready for it to go. Yeah, his leg had to stretch pretty high for that one. But um, I, I I'm going with Punk. Obviously, he's just there. There's no way he doesn't win. 
There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. Impossible. Impossible. This is that that this this next to Moxley is the two easiest calls of the night. Yeah, yeah. I would like to say there would be some sort of confrontation afterwards with another superstar, but I don't know who I would even phantom to believe aside from it being a another return superstar from somewhere else type deal, you know, because Buddy Murphy is now also free. Braun Strowman's also free. Well, here's the thing. And I was wondering with Buddy Murphy and we were going through all the matches. Where is Alistair Black tonight? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. All right. So we invested all that money and we did nothing with that. Okay. That would have been where Buddy Murphy would have come into play. Yeah. Um, maybe we do something uh, backstage or something like that. That could always be a surprise too. But outside of, of Punk winning, climbing to the second rope, doing his, his thank you to everybody and getting clubbed from behind, I don't see anything. I, I see them going out off the air with, with, with Jim Ross thinking that this is the greatest thing since, uh, you know, since a cure for Bell's palsy. <laughs> Love you, JR. Not really. If I was Ron Simmons right now, I'd be going, damn. <laughs> wow. Hitting the it's, dark humor tonight. It's, 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 that's the truth. That's how we're going to go. That's how we're going to fly. Yeah. I, Listen, I, I've gonna... spent, I've spent a week, a week and a half, two weeks locked up with COVID. I've got a bunch of pent up emotion, bunch of pent up emotion in me. So uh, I'm letting it all fly. <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen we do not have alex todd with us tonight so i will be doing all the plugging along ladies and gentlemen november 13th and november 14th we have formerly known as the iconics peyton royce and billy k they will be joining us perched on the top rope at the big event november 13th uh we have tickets on sale now at eventbrite we also have tickets for Showcase of Legend 6 in Albany, New York, November 14th for them. Uh, tickets also on Eventbrite. We will have those in the description uh, for the podcast. Uh, you can also mail in. We have the Eventbrite ticket link up for that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us all over on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Perched on the Top Rope. Twitter and Instagram, Perched Top Rope. You can find this podcast Anywhere podcasts are found from Red Circle, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, you name it. We are there perched on the top rope. Last and not least, ladies and gentlemen, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash perch on the top rope. And as always, Rob, take it away. Spoiler free is the way to be. We're out. And remember, stay tuned because after this, we are going to play the all out media call right now. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, this Sunday night, AEW will present the third edition of All Out and it'll mark our second time staging All Out at the Now Arena, just outside of Chicago and Hoffman Estates. 
This will be an epic night of wrestling. We have the return of CM Punk, who will face off in the ring for the first time in seven years against Darby Allen. There are four championship titles on the line. Chris Jericho will have his career on the line when he takes, takes on MJF. And there's also a 21-woman casino battle royale and much more. So now for the next 45 minutes or so, let's, call, let's turn this call over to AEW CEO, GM, and head of creative, Tony Khan, for some opening thoughts, and then we're going to open lines for your questions. Tony? Hey, Jim. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining today. I'm very excited about All Out. Uh, this is going to be the biggest pay-per-view event we've ever done, and it's, it's very special, and I really appreciate you all joining us today. It's been a great year so far for AEW, and it's great to be back on the road again. It's great to be at the Now Arena for Dynamite last night, uh, Rampage tomorrow, and All Out on Sunday. I'd just like to remind everyone we have All Out available for purchase on in-demand cable operators and on satellite, including DirecTV, Dish Network, Sling, and streaming on Bleacher Report. Uh, we have All Out Live in more than 140 movie theaters across North America. And our international fans and all of you great media folks can uh, watch the event internationally on Fight TV. Uh, and I'm excited to get all your questions. I want to make sure we get as many as possible. So let's jump in and bring it on. All right, Tony, appreciate it. So um, what I'm going to do is, uh, as normal as I'm going to let you know, the first question is going to be from Stephanie Chase of Digital Spy. And then Stephanie is going to be followed by Sean Radican of PW Torch. And then I'll, uh, as we go on, I will, I will let you know who's next in line. So Stephanie, you're up first. Great. Great. Hi, Tony. Thanks for taking the time to talk today. Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, the card for All Out, it is just absolutely stacked. And without giving anything away, how have you found putting it together and not just picking the main event, but with so many big matches, making sure the talent are happy with where they're positioned and storyline-wise? And you've done some huge matches on TV and special shows, but how did you decide what was saved for Sunday night and what could be done at something like an Arthur Ashe? It's a great question. Uh, we have so many great stars. We have a great roster and it affords me the ability to be able to book a lot of big matches and we have huge matches on dynamite. There's going to be a great card at Arthur Ashe for grand slam, uh, AW dynamite grand slam, but really at all out, I think this is the biggest card we've ever presented period. And it's our biggest pay-per-view card. And I, and these are some epic matches. Um, a lot of it was, was, planned very far ahead and, and there were some changes to the card of course but uh it's it's been a long time in the making this card uh and when i'm putting a pay-per-view card together uh a lot of considerations go into it in many ways this was the most challenging but then when it came time to put the order down i didn't find it that way it was pretty natural like uh in one pass i i said it and Pretty much everybody I've I've told it to and said like what do you think of this? Everyone's like, man, that sounds really really, really good. And you know, there's a lot of different ways it's gonna cap. Uh, but like in this case, I think uh, it's a uh, it's it's gonna be great. Uh, it's there's it's a long process. I mean, it's a 24 hour job, and in this past week, it really has been. Um, you know, uh, really life has been a 24 hour job for me the, the, the past several days, you know, with a lot going on as the Jaguars have had cut downs and particularly as the English transfer window is closed, 
it's interesting timing is going to a pay-per-view. So really I have been working like literally 24 hour days recently Uh, and uh, having to change the card up again in the last uh, 24 hours and make some changes. I think it's all going to work out. We'll have a lot of exciting stuff coming up on Rampage and Dynamite. And this pay-per-view card when you, I mean, some of the things that are happening, uh, CM Punk versus Darby Allen, that was not just a week or two of planning. I mean, that's really a year and a half in the making of talking uh, between myself and Punk. And during that year and a half, Darby's been working his ass off and becoming a legitimate wrestling star. Uh, it's amazing to think back when I was on the Jericho cruise with Darby and thinking about putting in uh, the story with him and Sammy, uh, you know, going into Revolution 2020. In January, we were talking and I wanted to do something like Savage Steamboat with Darby and Sammy. And you might remember that Darby got the skateboard to the throat and couldn't talk. And I wanted to build to an epic comeback. And he came back when Moxley was getting beat down by the inner circle and Jeff Cobb in Atlanta. And he got one of the biggest pops uh, in Atlanta, just one of the biggest pops, period. Uh, And it was an amazing comeback. And ever since then, Darby's been so hot through the pandemic. He he rose and became a, a bigger name in wrestling. And that was all happening at the same time when CM Punk was contemplating a comeback to the wrestling business. And, uh, you know, talking it over with me and, and the timing had to be right. And now is the time, the now arena (laughs) and, uh, and so much going into this card. And, and again, a seven year layoff for Christian cage, who to me is one of the all time great wrestlers and stepping in the ring with somebody who's already in the hall of fame, somebody who is one of the most accomplished wrestlers of all time. Uh, and the best champion in wrestling, Kenny Omega, I think it's, such a stacked card and I, I cannot wait for the Young Bucks Lucha Brothers cage match. Uh, Britt Baker and Chris Statlander is a tremendous, tremendous world title match. Uh, and we're going to on rampage, see more of what's to come. So I, it's, it's a, I'm glad you asked. And I, I'm glad I got a chance to just lead off talking about the card a little bit, Stephanie, because in some ways it's been the most work to put a card together, but I think it will be the most rewarding for the fans and for all of us. And in some ways it's been the easiest. Thank you. Thanks, Stephanie. Okay, we're gonna go next with Sean Radican of PW Torch. Following Sean, we've got Garrett Martin of Taste Magazine. Sean. Great. Hey Sean, is is did is Wade here? Is, is are you the only torch person here? Uh I don't know if can you hear me? I hear you. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Wade's here. I think Richie fan's on with us. <laughs> Good. Well, I love the torch. It's great to hear from you guys. What, what can I do for you, Sean? Uh, it's good to talk to you, Tony. Uh, this is kind of a long question, but um, you, you've leveraged so many great things on TV in the last eight to ten weeks with big matches, um, and so many things have come together for you, like Dante Martin having a standout performance against the Young Bucks, bringing huge free agents like CM Punk, and sounds like you know perhaps more will come you know, maybe all out this weekend or beyond uh, Britt Baker's on fire as a character and a J returning on TV, uh, you know, running venues like the United center and Arthur Ashe coming up in New York. It, the question is with so many things going so well and the way the roster's going and the addition of the big free agents, how do you capitalize and sustain, you know, on that and sustain the momentum going forward? Do you, you know, do you see, you know, 
as you're planning things ahead, do you see anyone breaking out similar to maybe Austin the Rock in the 90s and really taking this far for you? I don't want to compare different people. I think it, it, it can be apples and oranges trying to compare the you know current wrestlers to wrestlers of the past and, and the business of the business of the past because it's a very different business. And in many ways, it's a better business. And the business, you know, some people will disingenuously point and say that the business was hotter in the past but the fact is right now a wrestling company that's in prime position and there's really two of us in the catbird seat can make more money than any wrestling company ever made in the past and i think it really goes to show it's very impressive what eric bischoff did at wcw to raise the revenues to where they were grossing hundreds of millions of dollars before cable rights fees were accounting for hundreds of millions of dollars uh so i do think uh you know, without comparing people from this era to people of the past era, there's a great way to keep our momentum going, Sean, and that is to keep delivering great pay-per-views, great dynamites, and great rampages, and keep those numbers high. And absolutely, live attendance is a great barometer. Live attendance, very important metric. Merchandising sales, very important. I've put a huge amount of money, eight figures of my own money, into developing video games rather than... Uh, paying outside developers and then giving them a piece of it so they own a percentage, I'd rather get that money. And so we put our own money into development and then we're going to recoup that money on the back end and it's going to work out great. And that is a business project that it was a very viable business project and uh, I've done a lot of viable projects like that. And I think Dynamite has been a very viable project. You know, I made a big investment into it and I wasn't, uh, making a lot of money on dynamite when we started and uh, I did it for a few months before TNT saw a big value in it and then put over 175 million dollars over a four-year period into it and I think we need to continue doing what we're doing and I'm frankly doing a kick-ass job of which is delivering great ratings for their investment and uh, pushing to where our rights fees grow uh, rampage we've just launched that's more revenue to us I think I can grow that brand the same way Dynamite grew and and really build Dynamite and Rampage up. And our pay-per-view franchises have grown every year, year over year. Double or nothing 2020 was over 2019. 2021 was over 2020. Uh, Revolution was up from the year before. All Out, I can very confidently tell all of you, will be up for the third straight year. And Full Gear was up from the year prior, and I very confidently, a few months out, I'm pretty sure Full Gear is going to do a lot even better than last year. So uh, I'm going to continue to invest in the business, and then we'll see great returns. And, you know, that's for the fans. Like, I've been in the seat all of you are in, writing about wrestling, and I've been in the seat the fans are in, uh, watching wrestling and loving it and having it be a huge part of your life. And we need to make wrestling a big part of people's lives again where people get up in the morning, go to work, go to school, go, you know, it's summer, you know, go out and mess around in the summer, do what you're going to do and come home at night knowing you want to watch wrestling on Wednesday night, Friday night, or the pay-per-view on the weekend. And I think that's the best way we can maintain the momentum. This is a lifestyle business for me. This has now become a big part of my lifestyle. Uh, and, and I still have the other things in my life. I still have the NFL in my life. I was with Jerry Jones. Uh, it's, you know, I had a really nice talk with Jerry Jones about AEW, which is funny because he's promoting another wrestling show next year. But uh, I was visiting Jerry uh, in Dallas this past weekend and uh, when, when the Jaguars played the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, like I said, I put a lot of time, I put years of my life 
into uh, running an English football team at Fulham. And now this is a huge part of my lifestyle. And it's, it's also for the fans. I want it to be a big part of their lifestyle because I've been uh, on the other side of it. And I know what it's like to go to work, to go to school, looking forward to watching wrestling all day. And I know that we've made that happen for people. And I've had people come up to me and tell me how this helped them through the pandemic, that we kept doing the shows. And it makes me very happy to hear that, uh, you know. So, Sean, I think our best chance to maintain uh, momentum is just keep pushing forward, doing great shows and, and building what we have. Thanks, Sean. <clears throat> So next up, we've got Garrett Martin from Paste Magazine, and Garrett will be followed by Joe Lanza, Voices of Wrestling. Garrett? Um, hey, Tony, thanks for talking. Uh, quick question for you. Uh, last week it came together that, or it came out that Universal would be the home of the dark tapings going forward. How did that deal come together and uh, what makes Universal a, a good place for, for you guys to, to tape there? Uh, well, it's a great question. Thanks, Gary. Uh, so I, first of all, had worked with our live events director, Raphael Morphy, uh, who'd had really good experiences there in the past. Uh, he had worked with Impact, and I'd like to now take this opportunity. I was glad you asked this because I want to position this. It's funny that I've seen people say, oh, they're going to that building and the perception of that building. And I think people need to look at the history of that building and also look at where Dark stands in terms of our TV platforms. Uh, it's not like I'm doing Dynamite there. It's not like I'm doing Rampage there. It's very different. And if we did, look, it's a great venue, okay? But it's not the plan anytime soon. Uh, for, you know, we're running very large arenas and have done great attendance for Dynamite and Rampage. It's a very different thing. So Dynamite and Rampage, those are the A shows. And Elevation and Dark are great shows. You'll see some huge, huge stars on those shows. Uh, in fact, you know, you see uh, Darby Allen, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, huge stars compete on those shows on a regular basis. Orange Cassidy, Thunder Rosa, uh, and Nyla Rose, a lot of our top wrestlers compete on Elevation and Dark on a regular basis, but they also do so in, in terms of working with young wrestlers, developmental talent. We found a lot of people who are important wrestlers in AEW now through them working on Dark and Elevation. Red Velvet. The Acclaimed, the Varsity Blondes, Powerhouse Will Hobbs, all of these people are people that were losing matches on Dark. And then I you know, saw something in them, we saw something in them, and I ended up signing these people to contracts and have uh, looked for to push and utilize all those people because they all have great skills, but all of them came in and, and even those tag teams were working separately and I liked them and I put, the, put them together. And so I think it, gives opportunities to young talent and to me i position it like the show that was taped there before impact which was wcw worldwide and i i like impact you know i they've been very good to me but i think it's the difference between how we're utilizing it and how they utilized it even though they had it they've had an amazing run there but to me it's more like what wcw used it as in terms of worldwide being a show where they developed a lot of young talent it's ironic, you know, Chris Jericho, Chavo Guerrero, Dean Malenko, these are guys that work for me now in AEW. Those are some of the stars of Worldwide. And those guys in Universal Studios had some classic matches uh, with uh, some veterans, you know, uh, rest, rest in peace, 
to one of my all-time heroes, one of the all-time greatest wrestlers who ever lived, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Uh, I've watched beautiful Bobby Eaton have great matches there, with, including with Chris Jericho, uh, which we were just talking about recently at Universal Studios. So there's, there's, it's a great place for the veterans. It's a great place for the young wrestlers. We don't have to necessarily be doing CM Punk versus Darby Allen there. We don't have to be doing Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage or Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. But uh, we're going to do a lot of fun stuff there. And I think the fans that come will see some, some top stars and great wrestling. Uh, and I, I want to bring back the spirit of those worldwide tapings, which, were, uh, which hold a very fond place in my heart. Thanks, Garrett. Joe Lanza from Voices of Wrestling is up next, and Joe will be followed by Jim Barcelone from the Miami Herald. Joe, you're up. Hey, Tony. How you doing? I'm really well, Joe. How are you? Good. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of trios matches on TV lately. Do you have any updates or anything you could tell us about the potential much-rumored trios titles? Well, I mean, we see, you know, matches sometimes uh, that that – don't always uh, have title implications, but absolutely, I think it would be great to add trios titles. Uh, you know, right now, it's a lot of stuff I'm getting in three hours, and I, I take a lot of pride trying to cover a lot in a two-hour dynamite, and then Rampage is very different. It's a more focused one-hour show, and uh, they're very different formats, and still get great wrestling in both shows, but I also cover a lot of stories in a dynamite in a very different way than I would in a Rampage, so it's, it's a lot right now. And, uh, you know, as, as we grow as a company, I do think there's definitely a place for that. And there's, there's a place for championships to, to expand. I think right now we have great titles and I, I have thoughts about other championships, including a trios championship among others. And as we expand, so it's a, it's a great question. Um, and we've had a lot of great trios matches. Absolutely. To be honest, if you think about it though, man, I bet I used to do more trios matches than I have been lately. I, if you, I, I haven't done like a study of the numbers exactly like, you know, bean counting it number for number, but my gut says I used to do more trios matches in Daly's place than I do now. And I could be wrong, but it feels that way. Um, so uh, I'm still very into doing trios matches. We've seen a lot of trios matches on dynamite over the years. It doesn't feel like I've been leaning on them as much as I maybe used to, but um, there's reasons for that. But, uh, we've been showcasing a lot of stories and a lot of story matches, and, and I really think we're in a great place to show. But like I said, there's, there's a time and a place for everything, and, and we have a lot of great trios, undoubtedly, and I think a trios championship would really kick ass. So uh, it, it does make a lot of sense, and it is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about, absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Um, okay, up next, we've got Jim Barcelona from the Miami Herald. Jim will be followed by Kenny McIntosh of Inside the Ropes. Jim, the floor is yours. Thank you, Tony, for doing this today. So interesting to me that in October, especially, Florida is such a big part of AEW. So much going on in Florida, whether we have the two Miami shows and you also have the Orlando show. And, and also you mentioned about Universal Studios Orlando doing the dark and dark elevation and all. So my question has to do with the Jericho Cruise is also going out of Miami in October. And I'm curious if there's going to be any Rampage or Dynamite from the Jericho Cruise. And also with that said, 
Will there be any AW Dark and Dark Elevation matches, one or two, at some of the Dynamite and Rampage shows? Or is it strictly going to be well, universal totally? No, no. Uh, well, we've been doing Dark and Elevation in the arenas. And what I've been doing to get kind of a rhythm in a week is if, if um, Dynamite is live, you know, Dynamite's always live. I'm sorry. So Dynamite's pretty much always live. So then I, I mean, so we've been doing Elevation before Dynamite. And then now that we've also gotten to doing Rampage, when Rampage is live, I've been doing Dark. So this week, we'll, we did Elevation last night with Dynamite, and tomorrow night we'll do Dark with Rampage. Uh, we're, we will hit a point where I can only t can't tape all the stuff together. So for the taping schedule, I'll continue doing Elevation before we go live with Dynamite as the pre-show matches, which is great. It really is great, and we warm the crowd up, and they get to see some of their favorites. And uh, Dark, specifically, will move to be, most weeks, the studio format. There's still going to be weeks you'll get Dark in a big arena, but a lot of the shows, and I'll, I'll do tapings, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll get a chance to really focus on a lot of the talent. And I try to do my best at it, um, but, you know, you're running around at Dynamite sometimes, and you can't be in the chair for every moment on dark because, you know, I have to produce pre-tape promos, uh, backstage segments. Um, I might need to go to the truck. So like, you know, it's good for, for myself and all the coaches uh, to be able to focus and work with the talent and really I, for me to be able to put in and really focus on their stories as the main focus of that taping, rather than being something we're doing before or after, our live two-hour dynamite that's our bread and butter if that makes sense and we are doing a lot of stuff in florida so it's a multi-pronged question you slipped in there jim uh but uh it it's a great question um with the jericho cruise i that we're going to be doing on friday night um rampage live and then saturday night we're also just doing dynamite live and originally chris had the cruise that weekend and that's chris's personal project and i've always wanted to help him with it and support it and it's not an official AEW event but chris is a huge part of AEW, and uh so that is leaving that weekend and we had a time shifting situation uh you know thankfully the the playoffs are long over and and what happened in july when we got back on wednesday nights consistently we've done the best numbers in the history of the show since the show got back in its time slot not going to be a long-term thing or anything there's just two weeks in october where tnt sports uh had conflicts so we're doing the show live on saturday night which is fun uh and it does conflict with chris's cruise so i have got rampage on friday night and i have dynamite on saturday and we're out saturday and i'm some of the people uh for the cruise are not going to probably be at the dynamite necessarily uh but the flip side is I've also talked to Chris and if the stories, if, or if we have injuries or whatever, if I have to take people, I'm not planning to, I really am going to do my best to make sure the people Chris advertises are there, but God forbid, if we had to get people for dynamite, I, I would do it. But I also have every intent to help Chris and I, you know, have a pretty good reputation for loaning people out and being pretty honest and fair. Um, and I think, like I've said, I think that's a spirit that, has existed in the wrestling business and maybe we got away from, but there used to be a lot of camaraderie in this business a long time ago. Um, 
And uh, look, it it only goes so far, (laughs) but, but, but to an extent, there's been a lot of camaraderie. Uh, So um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And in the case of Chris, like there is a lot of camaraderie and uh, I just, you know, I think it's going to be a cool event. I planned it. I think there may be some dark and elevation on there, but no dynamite and rampage will all be doing live uh, on those shows in Miami. And then uh, like you said, in Orlando, it's a lot of exciting stuff in Florida. Florida has been very good to AEW, uh, you know, supporting us through the pandemic. Uh, and I want to be good to Florida. You know, I'm back home where I grew up in Illinois this week, but I also have lived in Florida and that's home to me too. So I like doing a lot of shows there. Thanks, Jim. Kenny McIntosh from Inside the Ropes is next, and then I'm going to take a couple uh, write-in questions after that. So, Kenny, you're up. Kenny, you need to unmute yourself. Kenny, you there, buddy? Kenny, you need to click the uh, icon on the uh, dashboard to unmute yourself. All right, Jim, we can't get them undone. Okay, let me go to uh, at least one write-in question right now, Tony. Um, This one's going to come from Paul Weicherly. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Oh, I thought it was coming from Paul White. (laughs) No, he—I think he's in the queue, though. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So, so Paul White from Paisley Radio uh, has this question for you, Tony. With the huge success so far for AW, are you, as a company, ahead of the goals and targets you set when you started? Very much so. Very much so. Um, I was hoping to get a big contract extension to make Dynamite a very sustainable, long-term show that was going to have a lot of security and bring in a lot of revenue. And we did that faster than I think anyone could have anticipated, getting an extension less than four months after we were on the air. And, uh, you know, the, the way things have followed, the difficult circumstances we've gone through, uh, we've come out of it for the better. And now the company's at all time high for ratings. We're about to do our biggest pay-per-view. Uh, I expect us to have great success, but absolutely some things have fallen into place faster than I ever would have expected. Uh, and it's, I think it's to the benefit of certainly all of us. And I think of the wrestling fans. Um, and I hope, you know, you folks in the media have seen an uptick too. It seems like uh, there is more interest in wrestling and, and I hope it's working out for all of you because we don't, you know, it's great for the fans and it's, it's really great for us as a company, but I know it can be some benefit to all of you too. if More people are interested in wrestling. And I think it's a win, win, win for all of us. Thanks, Tony. I'm going to do another write in question right now. Um, and then on deck will be Niger Chambers from Big Gold Belt Media. Well, right now, Tony, we've got a question from Max Everett of Vendetta Sports Media. Are there plans for AEW to bring uh, its weekly shows out west in 22? And similarly, are there plans for AEW to explore international venues, such as the United Kingdom, Japan, or Mexico in the future for weekly TV? 
Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I am uh, planning to expand uh, into doing some international work next year. Uh, I think it would make a lot of sense, as I mentioned this past weekend. Uh, I don't want to put an exact timetable on it, but I do think it would make a lot of sense for AEW to come to Craven Cottage and for Craven Cottage to be a home to AEW wrestling in the UK. I think I am very confident we will be coming out West next year. I would like for Double or Nothing to return to where it all began for AEW to Las Vegas. And I think we are going to do that, uh, hopefully. Uh, and and obviously, we all know and from 2020 and 2021, plans can change and things are out of our control. But that is the goal and come out to Vegas and then hopefully do some other shows out West. I think it would be great. Thanks, Tony. Okay, coming up next is Niger Chambers from Big Gold Belt Media. Following Niger will be Adi Kafir from Ego TV in Israel. Niger. Hold on, Tony. Can me? Hello? Hi, Niger. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Sorry about that. <laughs> So, Tony, I mean, yes, like you said, this is your biggest car. You're back on the road. All things are trending good for AEW. And then you have a lot of major new additions to your roster and hopefully some more surprises this weekend. But how close would you say to AEW is close to having a full roster? I don't think there's any such thing as a full roster, Niger. I think, like, uh, my experiences in football, both in the NFL and in England, and with AEW, you're constantly looking to evolve the roster. It's got to be constantly changing. And one of the benefits we have with AEW as opposed to uh, the NFL or English football is I'm not really capped by a roster size or a salary cap. So it, it, it's largely my prerogative in terms of how to expand the roster, how many people to sign, uh, and how much we can grow. And uh, so we are under different limitations in other sports. but the, I think the idea is still the same, that you want to grow, evolve, and keep building and always looking for young talent or people that have expired contracts or people that want to make a comeback. And that's something that, as wrestling fans, I think it makes it really special that you can always keep a roster fresh. For example, you know, I didn't go into this year thinking that uh, I was going to take 2.0, who I had seen a number of times I really, I, you know, as independent guys and I'd seen them on NXT and I thought they were very good. I had no idea they were going to get released. They've been super, super valuable to us. And I really liked Daniel Garcia. Uh, he was a, a guy on AEW Dark who was working without a contract or anything and, and doing a very good job. Uh, and I thought he had a lot of potential. And when I saw 2.0 available, I thought there was really something there and it fit the need of what we had at the time. For, for the spot we had uh, and you know, new, new fresh faces can help. And it, every signing doesn't have to be CM Punk or John Moxley, the biggest, you know, big, uh, names like that. Like you can also uh, sign talent that can really come in and enhance uh, the quality of the show and stack up and help your roster. So I, I think, there's a lot of different philosophies about roster building I have. Uh, and 
you know, you're, you're really looking to build from the top and the bottom. And, and that's how you grow, uh, frankly, all the way through. And so there's all different spots in a wrestling company and there's all kinds of different people that can fill the spots. And as we expand our programming and, and grow, you know, we've expanded the roster a lot. I don't know. So I don't know if there ever is really such a thing as a full roster. It's a great question though. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Niger. Adi Kafir from Eagle TV from Israel uh, is up next. Adi, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I apologize if I haven't. Michael Johnson from Pro Wrestling Insider will follow. Adi? Hello, Tony. Hello, sir. Uh, it's really nice to meet you. Um, I have two short questions. Uh, the first one is, the first one is, uh, we're seeing the Forbidden Door taking a big amount of time uh, in professional wrestling over the past couple of months. Uh, and I was hoping if you could spread a little light about the relationship between uh, yourself and the other promoters from the other uh, promotions. And uh, the second question is, uh, you were talking about uh, international touring and uh, maybe, and I was wondering if Israel is one of the destinations of AW in the future. Uh, these are great questions. Um, so with the, so, okay, uh, I am not sure when uh, we would tour there, but absolutely it's an attractive destination for wrestling. And I know uh, it would be a great place to tour would be Israel. I'm not sure when uh, we would make it out there, but uh, travel has obviously been more difficult these past couple of years. Uh, it's definitely a great home for wrestling. And uh, I have, I was always amazed. I, I didn't know until uh, really studying wrestling history that world-class championship wrestling had really caught on in Israel and caught fire there. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, so I know uh, wrestling can get really hot there. Uh, so it's definitely something to consider. And then uh, what was your, so what exactly, I couldn't quite, what was your question about the Forbidden Door and working with the other promoters? Uh, can you spread a little light about the relationship with the other promote, promoters from a, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, NWA, uh, AAA? They're all different relationships. It's like, you know, different people, you know, you can't put all your relationships, you can't put a label on all of them and say they're all the same. I have different relationships with different people. Um, I think those are all good relationships I have, but they're all unique. You know, I have a relationship with Billy at the NWA and uh, with Conan and Dorian with AAA and with uh, Scott and, the, and Ed and those Impact folks and with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, you know, dealing with Ghetto and the American office, uh, Rocky Romero, who I really, really, really like a lot. And so I think that it's, they're all different relationships, but I like working with the different promoters and, and the different companies. It, I think it's good for the fans. And we've been able to put on some matches and have some titles defended that people didn't think they were going to get to see. And I think it's been great exposure, frankly, for those companies. And I've also done a lot of favors in the last couple of years and someday maybe they'll pay off. They might not, but uh, you never know, but um, it's good karma for AEW. Thank you very much, Adi um, and Tony. Michael Johnson from Pro Wrestling Insider is next. I will follow Michael with a write-in question. Michael. 
Hello. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Hey. Uh, hey, Tony. Um, I wanted to ask you about the CM Punk relationship. A lot of people have asked about what it's like getting him to come to the company. I'm curious, after two years of working and heading AEW and, for, and building relationships with the Elite and Cody and everybody else, what has it been like collaborating with Punk on a creative level to figure out what's the right way to have him enter the, the, the super highway that is this company, the right storyline, the right match, the right opponents, because he's always been someone who said, okay, but what are we going to do next? So I'm sure those conversations are happening, but what has it been like collaborating with him and figuring out what's the best way to get the most out of CM Punk for AEW beyond just this initial honeymoon time? We have, I mean, we, we're having a great time. I, I had a great time with him last night in the trailer, putting stuff together um i've had a great time with him this whole run you know going out to dinner and trying to figure out ideas uh kick you know uh coming up with the first dance this match with darby allen uh he's great he has a great mind and he's he's a fun cool guy and i think he's, he's got really interesting ideas and i collaborate with a lot of different people about stuff you know whether it's uh the unbox or, or kenny or cody or chris jericho and all of their individual stuff, you know, whether uh, it's with Matt and Nick or with Kenny and him stealing my damn keys when we're talking or, uh, you know, code or, or with Jericho and, and all of his stuff uh, with Mox um, and, uh, you know, n numerous people, Orange Cassidy, Dar Darby himself, uh, Britt Baker, uh, and a lot of other people uh, that, that I get with uh, on a regular basis. I mean, I'm, you know, pretty much anything on TV, I'm going to come in and, and talk to the people and, um, you know, have put a lot of thought into it before it goes on TV. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's in some ways it's amazing because it's him, but it's like uh, he's, he's, he's amazing. And I, I compare it to another all-time legendary wrestler, which is Sting, which is uh, I really enjoy sitting with Sting. And I think now Sting, originally he came in pretty tentative. And I think I took the heat for some of it because like people thought, well, you know, the way I was using Sting, but I think it was about pacing and Sting now is starting to get more physically involved. And I think honestly, like Sting in a, as the way his character has evolved in AEW is really cool. And it wouldn't have made sense to him or for us for him to come in and do as much physical stuff as he did. We really had to ease into it and get comfortable. And he's very comfortable. He's in amazing shape and he's doing safe stuff and having the time of his life. And uh, I think now with Punk, um, it's been uh, really, really cool collaborating with him. And honestly, he's got a really great wrestling mind. And he's brought so much to the table already. He's had great ideas and he's, he's a really good person to collaborate with. I think, um, I've, before he got here, I've seen him. I, I think it's, I, I won't, I won't actually, I won't, it's too, it'd be too easy. Uh, but I will just say this. I think, uh, I don't really understand some of the things he was asked to do before he, before he left wrestling. I don't think some of the stuff he was asked to do before he left wrestling made sense. And I told him, if they ever asked you to do something that doesn't make sense, it's not coming from a malicious place. Like if, you, if something doesn't make sense for you, tell me and let's talk about it. And that's generally how I am with everyone. Um, if somebody doesn't like something, I get, you know, 
I'm not trying to put stuff in that doesn't make sense. Not one person, including Mr. Punk, including uh, everybody on the roster, has creative control. Uh, it's not like WCW, and I think that is one of the issues with WCW is when you have a person who has creative control in their contract that can hold up the show. I don't know how you can get through TV doing that. I can't imagine if I had to deal with that. But what I do have is a lot of people I want to sit down and talk to and hear what they have to say. Just because nobody has a contractual right to tell me, you can't make me do that, you can't put me in that match or whatever, doesn't mean that I want to put people in bad situations or do things that don't make sense to them or for their career or for the fans. So I, I like him a lot. He's got a really good mind and he's been great to me. And it's been really good for the fans so far. The excitement is off the charts and, and we're just getting started and I'm really looking forward to working with him. And I think, uh, you know, it's really exciting. And, um, you know, when John, when Moxley came in, um, I think people had tried to do a number on his, a number on him as a person a little bit. And he's one of my favorite people in the world. He's one of the easiest people to collaborate with. He's a genius. He's got a great mind. He's writing a book right now that when people read it, I think it's the best wrestling book in a really long time because he wrote it by hand. You'll be, you'll definitely be able to tell he wrote it by hand and, uh, it's him. It's like him doing a promo. And, uh, I just think, uh, he's been amazing to collaborate with and people had said through the grapevine, you hear rumors that a guy is difficult or whatever. Well, it couldn't be more the opposite of the case. He's strong-willed. He has ideas but he also brings so much to the table and he's a really good person and great to work with. And that's true of both guys. So I, I really like, uh, of course, I, like I said, I've really enjoyed working these past couple of years with John and now, uh, you know, building a relationship over a year talking and now really being together every week. It's, I really like CM Punk. Thanks, Tony. I've got a write-in question here um, from Eleanor Line of Eleanor Wrestling on YouTube. I'm going to ask it and then ask Joe Rivera from the Sporting News to be ready to go uh, once Tony gives his uh, answer here. So <clears throat> Eleanor wants to know, with, with, with the incredible, incredible women's division that AEW has and the addition of the Casino Battle Royale this Sunday, how does AEW plan to continue to elevate and improve women's wrestling? It's a great question. Uh, well, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm trying to, first of all, help other companies with women wrestling in addition to my own. And uh, so I, I think people really uh, have seen a, a lot of our women's wrestlers uh, this past weekend. I, you know, I loaned uh, uh, some of them out to the NWA and uh, I, thought that was a cool event they put together and I was happy to, to help out with it by, by sending our AEW talent and paying them. Uh, and I have moved the Casino Battle Royale onto this card because it is a really valuable match. And in my opinion, in the two years from when we did the first Women's Casino Battle Royale, which I was an agent on, and I'll be the agent on this one too, uh, it was great working with the talent. It's a much better roster just like the first casino battle royale men's we did there was a lot of independent wrestlers and people god bless them they're great same with the women's casino battle royale there's some great people in there but in my opinion the roster is much better so just like a double or nothing it was a much more coherent better roster and i think a much better match than the first one i expect a more coherent roster and a better match 
And uh, the first women's casino battle royal was really good. I liked it. I, I thought everyone did a great job, and I commended everyone coming back. But I think we we can top it and have a better match. The roster is just much more stacked. There's a lot of star power in it, and a lot of the biggest stars in the match weren't here a couple of years ago. So it's been really it's, it's it has come a long way. A lot of that is through the pandemic. And again, going back to dark, I tried to expand the roster and really build a developmental system through AEW Dark. And the pandemic afforded the ability to do so because doing the empty tapings, I was able to just tape for hours and hours on end, bring people in and uh, get, uh, you know, a good look at uh, numerous, numerous wrestlers uh, that we probably wouldn't have had a chance to really spend that kind of time with, to, to basically be in the empty arena and be able to devote an entire day to taping dark. And, you know, now not being in Daly's place, it's kind of a different setup. But I think we grew so much in that time and so many people came along uh, in that era. Now, all of a sudden, we're back on the road and we have all these people that, you know, the fans in the arenas just can't get enough of. And now, uh, you know, Red Velvet and Ty Conti and Thunder Rosa and people that have really come in in the, in the past year plus have built great reputations and it was really fun um it was really fun and gratifying to see the reaction Anna Jay got because I had a feeling you know that that was something uh I really really had a good feeling was going to get a big pop and it did and I was really excited when it did and uh I just think continuing to build the roster is important because the better the star power is in any wrestling company in any wrestling division the more attention it's going to get and the more focus it's going to get and they're getting better. And that's why I moved them onto the pay-per-view because that match is going to be very good. And there's a lot of stars in that match. And then look at the match I put on the buy-in. It's no disrespect being on the buy-in. And I, this is a great chance for me to clear that up because if you look at people that wrestled in that spot, I mean, I, you know, our first pay-per-view, we had hangman MJF and many others in that match on the buy-in. I, I put big stars there repeatedly and look at the match, uh, you know, since since we were unable uh, to deliver on Andrade El Idolo versus Pac, look at the match I put on the buy-in to replace the Women's Casino Battle Royale, a match that involves Matt Hardy, a legend in the wrestling business, a veteran of over 25 years in this business, and Jungle Boy, one of our biggest young stars, and Orange Cassidy, another one of our biggest stars. Luchasaurus is a huge act here. Private Party, one of our top teams. A lot of big wrestlers in AEW. Chuck Taylor, the best friends, and important people uh, on in that match. And I think if and Matt Hardy was excited to do it, and Jungle Boy was excited to do it. And Orange Orange Cassidy doesn't get excited about anything, but he was about as excited as he gets. So uh, you know. It's a, it's a great spot. And I think they, you know, for them to move on and do that match, they were very happy to, to take that spot on. So if anybody's going to have like a negative perception or say like, which I see people say all the time, it's kind of crazy uh, because that match is really important. It drives a lot of viewership and it has a ton of eyeballs on it. It's, it's, it's an advertisement for the pay-per-view and it's a big statement of confidence in the people that are in it because you're really relying on them to do something good that's going to sell this pay-per-view. Um, but it's gotten a perception that the pre-show match, the buy-in match, that it's not important. And I mean, when I, you know, I was a kid and I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin in a pre-show match. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I don't, I don't really, 
I, I don't know how it got to be like that. And I'm not sure why people think that, but I, you know, anyway, I, I do think the casino battle Royale will be excellent. I think another thing that's really enhanced uh, the quality of the division, in addition to the talent we brought in is people that have been here from the beginning, getting a lot better. Penelope Ford turned in a tremendous performance last night on dynamite. She had a tremendous performance uh, against Thunder Rosa. She's wrestling her ass off. And then uh, Nyla Rose has, has been a consistent force from day one. Still, still great. Uh, but, you know, we've seen a huge improvement to me in uh, Penelope. And then on top, you've got Dr. Britt Baker, who is one of the most improved wrestlers in the world over the past couple of years, maybe the most improved. She was voted by the fans, the most improved wrestler in the world. And he's a great world champion and a headline star in any company in any era. So, um, you know, I, I do think um, with her uh, star power, it's also helped. And I've tried to build a, a more diverse division and bring a, bring a lot of uh, new stars in. And I just think all of those things combined. And, and Kenny Omega's got a great eye for talent. He's scouted a, a lot of great people. And I really, you know, um, despite on-screen clashing with him a lot, I spend a ton of time with him and really uh, – enjoy that and i think he has a great eye for talent and he, he scouted some great people and i really value also the, his eye for great joshi talent and i think rio and shida have been great champions for us emmy sakura and yuka sakazaki have come in and done really well for us and we'll see sakura again back in the women's casino battle royale uh, along with shida and i was going to save it for Rampage, but I might as well just do it now. You know, Riho is also going to be in the Women's Casino Battle Royale, and uh, I think I have something pretty fun planned uh, for maybe a surprise too. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, and I just really think, it really by by building stars, that's the the way we can keep advancing it because wrestling is a star driven business, and Brip. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa was such a success as a main event because put a lot of time into it and they're both stars and it felt like a program between two stars. And when they had their match at beach break and the story continued on through the St. Patrick's day slam and the lights out match, you know, we really built the anticipation. That was not a main event that you just threw in because you needed a main event or you wanted to put something in the main event. And there's times where, you know, you're struggling with a card. There's, there could be injuries, travel issues. And, you know, there's weeks where I've had to say to myself, I've had to move something in there uh, and, and kind of give it a, give it a shove. And this was something that belonged in the main event. And, you know, it was a credit to their work and to the star power. I think the division is building and there are many other people that are, that are coming in and doing exciting things. I think Jade has a world of potential and is doing great. So, uh, you know, really um, just going to keep working on it. And I'm looking forward to Britt versus Statlander and looking forward to the Women's Casino Battle Royale on the paper. Thanks for the question, Eleanor. So we've got a hard stop in about two or three minutes. That uh, renders uh, Joe Rivera as our, our last uh, question of the day. Joe, if you're good to go, you're up. Yeah, hi, Tony. I hope you're doing well. Um, my question is about the TNT championship. Now, mid-card championships can be very tricky to book, and it can take That's uh, not a, a long time. I know okay. I'm going to stop you right there. It's not a mid-card okay. championship. 
The only people that have held the belt are Cody, Brody Lee, rest in peace, Darby Allen, and Miro. So I don't consider it. I'm not booking it like a mid card championship. I'm looking at it as like a top title that stars hold. So I like I will take exception right off the bat. But okay. uh, that's totally fair. But how impressive is it uh, to you to see how each champion has elevated the title and how important is having that title with so much respect and so much prestige early on? Well, you got me back with the second half of your question. Okay, I'm back with you. So uh, that is the key to the championship is that none of the champions have been a stretch. In thermodynamics, heat is passed from a warmer body to a cooler body. If you have a hot belt and you take a cold wrestler and you say, I can heat this guy up by putting the belt on him, the problem with that is that you cool off the belt. So the key to this belt, in my opinion, has been from the beginning, it's been hot matches, hot issues. It's been pushed on television, and the champion has always been a protected star. And it would not have been right for Darby to honestly win the first tournament. And Darby was a huge part of the tournament. He went to the semifinals and lost to Cody before the Cody Lance Archer match at the pay-per-view because it was part of the build for Darby finally winning the title. Uh, Cody and Darby had a classic match at full gear, which is a great pay-per-view. And even though we were only at 25% capacity, I thought it was one of the best wrestling shows anyone did all year, period. Uh, and really, for me, uh, I just think uh, it, would not, it wouldn't have made sense where he was at that point. He had to get red hot to, for it to be the right time for him. And same uh, for Brody and Miro. Those are huge, huge stars. And the, neither of them came in and won the TNT title their first week. They really built up and built steam and uh, solidified their place in the fans' eyes. So I think the belt has been very protected, and that's why it is not a mid-card championship. And I never intend for the TNT title to ever become a mid-card championship. It's really uh, near and dear to my heart. And so uh, I think protecting the title is really the key thing. And when you look at other quote-unquote mid-card championships, that's how they became mid-card championships. You know, there's other belts in wrestling, and I think we all know the one I'm talking about, that used to be really protected, that used to mean something really important, and it's been batted around, it's been retired, it's been brought back. Well, what does it even mean anymore? And I never will let this be that. Thanks, Tony, and thanks for the question, Joe. And unfortunately, we're out of our time uh, for this afternoon. Um, so per our custom, we'll be distributing an audio recording shortly, and we look forward to seeing many of you in person at All Out. Um, so wherever you may be over the ho uh, Labor Day holiday, on behalf of the entire All Elite Wrestling family and Tony Khan, thank you for your time today, Tony. We thank you for your interest and support, and hope all of you have a safe and fun three-day All Out weekend. Thank you. Thanks.